Blog Talk Radio. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more can be found right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. And everybody, I am so happy to be back. And again, with experimental technology, doing it from cell phone, but I don't want to go too deep into that. And here is a song as the new intro song. There'll be more. There'll be others. This is from a band of mine called, uh, that was in for a short time, called Accidental Legends. And our guest tonight is Reverend Don Lewis, and we will be discussing spiritual experiences, uh, being part of a tradition, being eclectic, be kind of loose. But I do have some very specific questions for our very intelligent guests. But we'll be back in just a moment, right here. I wanted this evening. One of them was spiritual experiences that bring you to something, and then also the differences between being in a tradition or being eclectic. So anyway, someone who I think would be very wise in this category, I'd like to introduce him as Reverend Don Lewis of the Corellian uh, Nativist Tradition, and welcome to Main Street Universe, Reverend Don. Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And my first question for you, and after some intro, and we can get into some other things that you want to plug or, or whatever later. It, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't mean plugging. <laughs> Keep playing. Things that you are involved in, because I think you've been involved in some very interesting 
projects and experiments, including which school, including um, what's the international one you do, like the Pagan Council? <laughs> Some of it I forget, but you seem to have been involved in a lot of things. And uh, But I want to start off with something a little more personal and a little more simplistic, if that's okay. Okay. And I would say, was there a spiritual experience that changed you or made you a true believer? Or were you just born into it and already believed it, or was it an experience, or maybe a little of both? I'd have to say both. I mean, I was I was born into it. My mother was the head of the Karelian tradition before me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm in the unusual position of not having come to this as a form of rebellion, um, but act- actually in concert with my family's background and wishes. But I've also had those experiences that, that um, I guess I, I would say, um, shored up my point of view. And although I was raised with Corellianism, I did also make a conscious choice to follow this path. And several times I found that choice confirmed. Some of the things that, um, oh, goodness, what would be a good example? Sure. Well, one, one of the aspects of Corellianism that's very important is working with the ancestors. And I can remember a time when that was not a popular thing in the Western pagan community, although you couldn't tell that today. Uh, we, were, we were one of the few that actually did that back in, say, the 70s or the 80s. Uh, okay. But it was very, very important in our background. And one of the things that has constantly amazed me right up to the present day is how accurate the communications of the ancestors are. Uh, many times they have told me, such and such is going to happen, or don't worry about such and such because it's not going to happen. And been correct in very unlikely situations. Um, a couple of years ago, out of nowhere, they said, you know, you're going to be moving. Um, I, I was working with the ancestors along with my cousin Crystal, and this, this message just came through. I had no intention of moving anywhere. No desire to move anywhere, but within a year I had moved. It wasn't totally a surprise in that we had been talking about moving elsewhere here within the city of Jacksonville for a while, but I thought we had decided not to do that. And the ancestors knew better. Uh, things like that have tended to confirm my point of view that, that I have made the right path twice. Um, and just seeing that it worked. I don't know if that's the kind of thing you're looking for, but that's what I got. Oh, and, and no, and that, it, it makes perfect sense. And do I sound clear? Everything is okay uh, where I'm at? Yeah, you sound fine. Uh, okay. And um, um, I had experience recently. Now, okay, I don't want to dig too much into me because the show is about interviewing you, but just to share my own, one of my early spiritual experiences or what brought me to the path, because I was born into a Southern Baptist family, which is a you know, breeding ground for witches. <laughs> I joke. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, and uh, my little sister and I had a real close connection, and she would, like, finish my sentences. I had lots of 
out-of-body experiences. I would have dreams, and sometimes she would be in them, and I'd call her, like, even if we lived at different places, and she'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. We had a a bond, and, and even beyond that, just my own personal self, I had a lot of spiritual experiences, and I come from a family that had. My grandmother was, I wouldn't say she was a fortune teller, but people used to come to her. She didn't do it for a living. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there are things that can change, and this is my point. I'm, I'm getting to a point I'm not just talking about me, even though I can, I can do that all day. <laughs> I'm playing, <laughs> but I'm saying uh, I, I am a lead singer of a band. You know, you, we can talk about ourselves all day. But I'm saying um, one dramatic point that brings the whole thing together, in my opinion, is that there is that unexplained thing, or what people might call the unexplained thing, that would say, like a lot of people that know me would think I'm scientific and they wouldn't know I'm deeply religious or spiritual. Uh, and I'm like, look, I came here by default, if that makes any sense. <laughs> you know, It was because I had experiences. Now, had I been not had those, I might think like them. Like some of the young people I work with who are more like atheistic college kids, no problem. They're all good people. I, I love them. But they sometimes are like, oh, you do this, you do that. Oh, you read the tarot, you do this. And I'm like, yeah, I did. I came to it by experience. I, I didn't come through it uh, intellectually is what I mean. And I have a feeling you didn't either. You were sort of born into it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I was born. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was born into it, but that's not to say that um, – as I say, there, there was also a conscious choice, which was based on experience, even though I would admit I was quite young when I became a Corellian priest. So how much experience we can honestly say that I've had is another question. But the ones I've had were confirming me in, in the path I had chosen. And right. um, that for, for everyone, that there, there should be intellectual factors involved. There should be emotional factors involved. Um, yes, and I think I think the unexamined path is um, not a complete path. I think that 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 whatever path you choose, you should examine. Whatever path you're on, you should examine, and you should do it more than once. Um, now, one of the things that happens in, in, in life is the Saturn return. Um, and our friends who are into astrology will know what I mean by that. But what the Saturn return does is it takes you from where you are and puts you where you're supposed to be. And if those two things happen to be the same, then it's not a problem. And if, if they're different, then um, Saturn return can be very dramatic. But I think always right. in life we need to, to re-examine our decisions, make sure we really are doing what, it, what is right for us. Uh, not, and I don't mean by that that we should regularly change our paths. I've been on the same path pretty much my whole life. Well, my whole life. Uh, but yeah. that isn't to say that I've never, uh, never made adjustments to it, never, never reconsidered 
um, the teachings of the tradition, for example. And in fact, during my lifetime, the teachings of the tradition have, in some cases, evolved from where they were, where they were when I was young. Um, because prominent Corellian priesthood have worked with things like past lives, they've worked with things like um, dimensionality, and made made new understandings that have superseded old ones. And I think that's very important. I think I think part of what makes a good tradition is not being hidebound. And the best mm-hmm. traditions I know are not hidebound. They they are living, growing things, and they can yeah. reassess their position because we live in a world that's constantly changing and evolving. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I can tell you that since I became first priest of the Corellian tradition 42 years ago, the world has changed a lot. The pagan community has changed a lot. It's <laughs> Um, yes, and and it's going to change more. It's only natural that it should. Um, I mean, the 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 only time that um, well, I was going to say, going to say the only time things don't change is once we've died, but that's not true either. We continue to live and grow, just not in this world. Um, even death is not an end. And as long as there is existence, there is change. It's the nature of it. And while there is a point where spirit may come to a place of perfect knowledge, that's nowhere in front of any of us. That, that's far, far removed from where any of, where anyone who is incarnate currently is. There's, I think, for all of us, far more ahead to discover than is already known. And I think... Um, and a good thing, because we'd be bored otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I agree with so much of what you're saying. And um, and I'm just curious, just because you're in the position that some people might consider to be... Now, don't get me wrong. I think all new pagans, if they think they're pagans or witches, that's what they have are if they pursue the path, but you come from a family uh, of it. So I'm curious, mm-hmm. did you ever, when you were young, experience anything that you felt like is any prejudice from that, or was it just not public? I, I'm just asking. We I, were not I really that public don't... at that time. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I was I was publicly, publicly Wiccan from seventh grade, but not the whole mm-hmm. People I knew, and they already knew me before they found that out. Um, I didn't go around wearing a T-shirt that said "Wiccan" on it. Um, <laughs> some of my teachers knew, many of my friends knew, but I wasn't like um, going around wearing a sign. Had I yeah. had I been just walking up to strangers and introducing myself as Wiccan at that time, there there might have been prejudice. <laughs> Uh, as it was, I really didn't encounter any until I was much older. I think that partly has to do with the era, partly has to do with where I was and who I was. Oh, I get you. And um, and I don't know. But as I say, we we became a public tradition 
1979, but we already were public in many ways before that. But like yeah. I say, we weren't walking down the street in our road. Yeah. Um, that might have been a more, a more be honest, kind of situation. It, I can only speak from my own experience. Mm. In the old days, you know, this was how, when I was exploring. Like, I remember going to the library and looking up the word witch and you know, all that kind of thing. And every book was about <laughs> those negative towards it. But I do remember once I finally found some people into mysticism, to be more generic, um, mm. I actually like the word mystic. But, uh, um, yeah, I would find a few books here and there, and then i talk to a few people here and there, maybe smoke a little weird here and there. <laughs> meet with some people and they're like, yeah, I'm a witch. You know? It was all so open. There was no Internet. Everything was just like if you happened to – be in a big city, maybe you went to a a cult bookstore that was a known store. Mm-hmm. But it, it was a it was, it was a, like, but it was a calling, and that was my next question. My next thing is the calling. How, what do you think about that? A calling versus being born natural. Um. Or do you think? It's I really think it's individual. I think for some people, well, I think for, for most people, if you're on this path, you really could not be on any other. Therefore, it is a calling. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think it also depends very much on the person, how we would describe that and what their experiences will be. Not, not everyone is going to have the same experience. Right. Um, I think I think we could I think we could use the term calling. And we could probably mm-hmm. use it for any minority religion. That um, right. people generally are not in any minority religion just as fellow travelers. Uh it is a conscious choice one must make. Even if you come from a familial background. Um mm-hmm. there there is in any minority religion a lot of pressure to assimilate to the larger culture. Um, even if you, again, were born into that background. Um, I guess. So I guess we would have to say that it's appalling. And I think, you know, there's a, there was a belief, not as current today, but there was a belief that uh, people who are on this path were usually not in it on their first lifetime in it. Um, oh. There was a, an idea that when you first came a magical path that lifetime would have an interest a little bit of study but probably not much practice that would be the second lifetime in it. and probably the third before it was really your life and I don't know if that is um, something that I would endorse um, but it is um it is a point of view that um, I do think for a lot of people who find themselves in the, the Western pagan community, it isn't their first time in the rodeo. And I think that, um, you know, so many times I hear people say they feel they've come home. 
And so I do tend to think it's it's a that for many of them, I, it is a coming I back to things that they've been involved in previously. Go ahead. So, I mean, you could call in, it a calling. You could call it a remembering. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people like to pretend that this is a very modern movement. It is not. There are a lot of changes in the modern movement. But mm-hmm. everything we do has been being done for a long time. Um, and there is a lot of, there are many different rival histories about the, the, the origins of this movement. And the dominant mm-hmm. one I do not consider to be true. Um, but even if it were, that, uh, that none of this goes back before the 50s, which is nonsense, but if we believe that, the fact that oh, yeah. our practices do go back before that. Yeah. And it's the name and certain small aspects of practice that would have changed. Forgive me, there, there's a special needs child that's here. <laughs> I don't know if you hear him. It's okay, but he's Very good. He's all, he'd be all right. He just came out and had a little tantrum. <laughs> I just had to oh. come and put him, you know. It's all right. It's okay. But go ahead. It's all part of nature. <laughs> So, so yeah, in the, in the manner of speaking, it is a calling. I think that if you're meant to be, or want a better way to put it, if you're meant to be in this community, uh, there really is not going to be another path for you. Um, but I also believe that um, sometimes you have to move around quite a bit to find exactly what iteration of that path is, is best for you. And I do come to the point of view that, that, um, that it's not one size fits all, that everyone is individual. And one of the beautiful things about the diversity of the community is that everyone can find something that will speak to them, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And I would also say that's one of, one of the beauties of the Corellian tradition, that we have a great deal of diversity within the tradition. And, and, and um, very universal. I've always liked the Corellian tradition for how universal it was. I've always respected we, it for that. I've always enjoyed that about thank you your philosophy, you know what I mean? Like it invites a lot of people in And I have a lot of Unitarian ministers in my family. So universal, you know, thought is, is always in my mind in the, oh my God, sorry, the kid's going on. You can hear him anymore. But the thing is, uh, I'm curious now, on another level, now I'm just going to make it a little bit personal. Um, okay. As someone who grew up in a pagan tradition, uh, and again, we, we touched on this a little bit, but um, <clears throat> when you try to establish some things, and I think you gave me really good advice one time about trying to establish something. And your roadblocks you run into, people coming in protesting, saying, oh, they can't have this, they can't have a witch museum, have this blah, 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 or a temple. Uh, And I think I already know what your answer is because, you know, I kind of like you and I know you a little bit. I think it's like you got to pacify them before you tell them you're pagan. You you come into a community, try to establish a more effective technique. Yeah. 
you know, years ago, and, uh, um, I, I, I was very good friends with the late Pete Papsong of the Aquarian Tabernacle Church. And years ago, we would talk for hours on the phone, I want to say every yeah. month, sometimes more than once a month. And I, I remember distinctly what he told me about when they established their headquarters in Index, Washington, which is a tiny little town. And what he said was that he um, made it a point to introduce himself in the community and become known as Pete um, before uh, becoming known as uh, as that, that witch guy. I don't remember the right. exact words, but let but me you know, and just know you. We're on the same language. We're on the same page. So, so yeah, go ahead. Well, that, that, I mean that's. Cool. <laughs> but I think that yeah. I think that's um, the other thing is you know you have my mother loved the saying you must take people where you find them, and it's absolutely true, and you know if you want to get a good reaction from people, you need to speak their own language to some extent. Uh, I did a number of vlogs on the, the daily vlog I did for ten years on the subject oh, yeah. of interfaith language that there are there are terms you can use that are going to cause people to immediately put up their, their barriers and there are cause terms that you can use that will not do that. Um, and it's always wise to use the words they can accept when you begin a dialogue. You can always introduce them to more specific words later. Uh, for example, the word ritual. Uh, I think yeah. most people who are not pagan would be much more receptive to um, the word ceremony or the term services. Yeah. Um, and you can later explain more about it once they're listening. Um, I often use the terms deity or spirit um, because these are very accessible interfaith words. For most people, yes, and uh, yes. and they will listen um, longer than they would listen if I began with goddess or god and goddess or any particular deity. And I think that, um, or for example, if you if you're in a position where you're doing a public prayer, to use a a non-confrontational term like mother, father, god. Or, yeah. um, or again, deity. Right. People will be more receptive to what you're doing, and the specific words really aren't that important. That's what's behind them, but not. Uh, Pete, Pete used to tell a story that I often quote that illustrates this. Uh, Pete, uh, Pete Pathfinder Davis was a member of the Washington State Interfaith Council. And he joined okay. that organization maybe in the early 1980s. I, it, it was, I mean, this has been years ago. But okay. he um, pointed out, you know, this was a time when most people would not have recognized what Wicca or paganism are. So he had to, had yeah. to overcome that. But then he found that a, a different group in his community objected to his being on the council because they felt he could not represent Wicca. Um, 
which he wasn't doing anyway. He was representing the Aquarian tabernacle. But that's beside the point. The council gave this group an errand. And he said he was very nervous coming up on this meeting until he got there. And he said that the other group came in dressed all in black, big silver pentacles and elaborate eye makeup. And he came in in a tweed suit with leather patches on, on the elbows. And he said he could watch the people on the council looking back and forth from the group making the complaints to him. To the group making the complaints to him. And it didn't take him long to figure out where they were going to make their decision because the group making the complaint had blown their credibility by coming in in such an extreme fashion. They were not speaking a language that the council could understand. Now, it also probably helped that they weren't really making sense because he wasn't there to represent them. But that's a side point. Um, The fact that they could not adapt themselves to the circumstances long enough to be heard is the point of the story. If they had come in looking more ordinary, um, right. walls would not have gone up so fast. And I'm a great believer. You know, I, I love robes and so forth, but they have their place. And exactly how you present yourself is very, very important to how you're received. And a lot of people don't have a clue about that, but then wonder why they're not being taken seriously. There is a language to use, and if you use that language, you will be far more successful. Yes, and there is, like, let me give you, since I opened up the thing about, um, and we don't have to go on about this, we opened up Mm -hmm. about spiritual experiences. One of mine is I've always had a past life experience that I felt like I was during the, like a hobo during the Great Depression. Mm. And I also think that might have been some of my open door to paganism, but mm-hmm. that's a story for another day. But I'm saying, but we carry with us so many, I think, inner stories that aren't complete, because I believe in reincarnation mm-hmm. like you, that they're just, they become a part of you. And I think it's always been my problem with money story for another day. I won't go on about that. In fact, I wanted to go on and ask um, (laughs) the the original question of the show, which I decided wasn't as (laughs) broad, but what I mean is um, so it'll be a friendly debate, the debate between tradition or solitary as a witch or a Wiccan. What do you think is better? And I know you're head of a tradition, or I don't know if you still are, or mm-hmm. somebody else's. I am. I don't know if it's in, um, but you grew up with it, in, in, in which I did not. And um, I think there's benefits to both, you know, both tradition and solitaire, mm-hmm. and this is meant to be friendly and not harsh. And so I'm just curious your opinion about that. I think it depends on the person. I think that um, depends on the tradition, too. There are are a lot of benefits to being solitary, but there are a lot of benefits to being part of a a tradition as well. One of them is that there's safety in numbers. Another is that it's good to have someone backing you up. Um, Another thing... I'm sorry? 
No, it was good. I, I did not. I, I didn't <laughs> hear what you said. You're, <laughs> everything's going to keep going. Oh. Um, there are a number of situations in which it is good to have the resources that a tradition offers. One of, one of those is networking with people. One of those is knowing what the ground floor of the tradition is, that when you meet other priesthood or members of that tradition, when you go to a different temple from that tradition, should you do so, you have a clue what you're walking into, which you don't necessarily otherwise. Uh, being yes. able to network through uh, through platforms the tradition may operate uh, can help you to, to find people in different areas, to find resources. Uh, sometimes you may need the legal backing that a tradition can sometimes offer. Um, right. You, we've had situations where religion came up in, in um, I'm thinking of a particular situation where religion came up in someone's divorce and we sent one, one of our high-ranking clergy to testify about what mm -hmm. Wicca is and what it is not, and it made a difference. Um, right. Another thing is if, if there is wrongdoing, and, you know, there, people are people, and there are always going to be people who do things they ought not to. As a solitary, you have no, no real recourse, but in a tradition, um, yeah. you, you, can, you can bring this up. In our tradition, we have a judicature. Uh, they're called deansters. And if there, there is an allegation of wrongdoing, they will investigate it. And action will be right. taken based on the findings. Um, right. In the last couple of years, we had a number of, um, of deanings regarding, um, well, basically regarding racism. And we do not accept that. And um, in, yeah, in some cases, we people were asked to leave if they could not ameliorate their behaviors. In others, where they where they uh, um, it becomes really maybe didn't understand the the impact. bad behavior outside of a tradition, right? That almost becomes another topic, right? It's like just bad behavior is bad mm -hmm. behavior. Yeah. Yes. You can't blame it on the tradition or the or even the eclectic or whatever. It's, mm -hmm. it's blamed on the person who did it. You know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm, that's how I feel about that. It's just like, you know, the bad behaviors. That's, you know, they shame us. But in and, a tradition, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And um, in a tradition, you have um, you have some recourse when it happens. You know, we use it. Years, years ago, it was pointed out to me that um, you know we could we could go on forever on um, the subject of where the pagan community misplaces its emphasis because there are a lot of them. But one of them, that in the issue of being accepted by other religions, a lot of pagans think it's an issue of how difficult it is or is not to become clergy, how deep the study is, and other religions could not care less about that. Their biggest complaint no. in previous years that was that we had no way of dealing with people who behave badly. And as a community, we don't. But as traditions, we do. And that can be important. Yeah. Um, and 
it's one of the reasons I brought you on because mm-hmm. you know I madly respect your intelligence. <laughs> and I'm saying that there's a lot of people sometimes, and I don't want to take the conversation here, but we were going there a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take it down there. There are people in the pagan or magic community that behave very badly. But I like mm-hmm. the idea of uniting to make sure that's not the case. Like, hey, because of this, like, if I had a 15 year old daughter, which I don't, but I dated a girl <laughs> that did, but I'm saying, I, and she's like, I feel like I'm a witch. I would say Selena Fox, or I would say Reverend Lewis, or I'd mention mm-hmm. one of the other nice people in the pagan world. You know, I wouldn't say ceremonial magic or mm-hmm. the other dude who I, <laughs> I won't go into him. But my whole point is, it's it's all the like you said, the diamond. We're all looking at the same stone. It's just a matter of how mm-hmm. you're looking at it. And yeah. Then different people are looking for different places. My favorite things of your short little videos was when you did the diamond quote. At the end of the day, we're looking at little facets, but we're all staring at the same stone. <laughs> mm. that, that's and, uh, very much, um, very much my point of view. And we have to, and, we have to be tolerant of the fact that people are looking from different aspects. But yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean, mean being tolerant of bad behavior. Those are two different you things. You don't have to burn the others. They might want to burn us. <laughs> I'm playing <laughs> I'm saying, but, you know, burn the witches. Whatever. I'm just saying, I was arguing with Christian Day one day online. Oh, God, I just said it on the air. Whatever. But it was him. And he's like, oh, I'm burning Bibles. I'm like, no, that is not what we should be doing. I'm sorry. <laughs> you probably not, the, not the way to uh, win friends and influence people. Uh, yeah, exactly. If he was out there throwing them into a barrel, into a fire, okay, that wasn't supposed to be part of the show. I'm going to end it now. But it was a big debate, and I got in trouble on Facebook and whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's okay. over now. <laughs> I'm not scared of him. He can't beat my shields anyway. <laughs> He's too drunk probably <laughs> right now. But the point being was that is not the approach. Don't be the antagonist of the others. I have Christian people I talk to every day. I love them to death, you know. Mm-hmm. That's how it should be. And for my final, I actually have a final question. I think we're running a little bit out of time. But, again, <laughs> what would you think? <sighs> How can I say this properly? Um, would be something to unite people a little bit. Like I know pagans live in pods. I'm not. I'm not ignorant to that. Like, is there something that could help? Something maybe unite us a little bit? I'm not even saying we. Do we have to unite? Who knows? I'm saying, but if there is. What do you think? I think unite is perhaps 
Because we debate so much, you know. I think unite is perhaps a deceptive word. I think a better word would be work together. And, well, you know, the, the major traditions are all on good terms with each other. The major organized mm-hmm. traditions. And I, I should emphasize that when we're talking about traditions for the purpose of this program, yeah. I've been talking about the organized tradition. Though people who, there are people yeah. out there who will say, well, paganism is not an organized religion, and that's nonsense. Uh, many of our <laughs> traditions very much are. And those yeah. are the ones that are stable that are not fighting every five minutes, and they can also get along. And that yeah. organization is part of what allows that. They're all friendly people, you know, like people like that. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. Um, you know, there are only a few people who can be legitimately described as tradition heads, and we pretty much all know each other. At least, right. at least um, uh, the majority. I won't say, I won't say every... In, Every single one, but um, certainly with, within 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 North America, and if we had a need to work together, we would be able to do so. But for the wider community, it's much harder. And one of the reasons it's harder is a lot of people come to this community um, and having wrapped their identity around the idea of being odd or unusual or outcast and different from others. And, and this causes it to be difficult for them to work with others. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Oh. <laughs> I was just saying... And what I would say is that's a fine... Group oh, activity in general is down, you know, is what, it, is what I was saying. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I well, I mean, what I would say is that Thinking of yourself in those terms is, is a fine reason to come to paganism, but it's something that you should address with shadow work. Um, right. It's Absolutely. one of the things that prevents us from being able to work together. And it's they not don't good. They don't think that they Another thing is that there are people in, in well, in every community, who just like to argue for the sake of arguing. And this is not good either. It, it does not build a healthy community. Um, you know, my, what, what the attitude that I was taught way back in the 70s when I was studying is that traditions are different and that we should simply accept this. And um, if another tradition ha- has ways and, and Ideas that are different from our own, well, isn't that lovely? Um, it's certainly not an attitude I encounter in subsequent decades um, as much as I would have liked, mm-hmm. but I think it is true for the major organized tradition. Um, we have literally 20 seconds left. And, you know, I love you so much, River Dawn. <laughs> well, thank you. And, um, and I, I, I certainly feel the same. And, and thank you for having honor. me. <laughs> thank you for joining me on this journey again to start Main Street University. And it's, it's a sacred honor. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, I'll message you or something later. 
Maybe the lakes are okay. I really had no idea how it's going to sell. <laughs> but uh, it could sell. Anyway, everybody in Main Street Universe, here we go. Change it all. Is there a chance you'd be there? 